the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. The father of the faith. Isn't that appropriate on Father's Day? That's what he's called, the father of many nations, the father of the faith. But... Where we're starting today, it doesn't look so good for Abraham. Him and his wife Sarah have been told that he was going to have an heir. That he was going to be the father. Look at the stars, Abraham. All them stars, you see, that's how many children you're going to have. That's how many descendants. But see, now that was 11 years ago. And they've been believing in poor Sarah. You know, this was a beautiful woman when, when she married Abram. In fact, she was so beautiful when she was in her 60s when, when God first started dealing with her. This Abram would lie to people and say that she's not my wife because he was afraid that they would want to take her for a wife and kill him. She was so beautiful in her 60s. Imagine what she looked like as a teenager when she probably married Abram. She was full of promise and hope and then no children. And back in those days, that was a reproach on any woman. That was bad. I mean... It wasn't like today where some people just choose not to have to. I, this was what they were thought they were supposed to do. This is what they were supposed to do for their husband. This, this was their identity as a woman to be a mother and to raise children for their husband. And she couldn't have any. And I just imagine all the nights she cried herself to sleep while her friends were raising little children. They were growing up into teenagers and they were mothers and People probably would look at her a little funny like, what'd you do to God while he's made your womb barren? She probably suffered through this for many, many years. And now here God comes in her 60s and says, you're going to have a child. Dare she to hope again? She's like wanting to believe this. I could be, I could be a mother. I mean, it's got to be touching the deepest chords of her life because this has been something that's been with her through her 40s 50s and 60s she thought it would get better but it never got better it just gets worse she's tried to mask it hide it everything that's hurt that she hasn't had no children and now in her 60s god gives her hope against hope because who in their right mind thinks a 60 year old woman's gonna have a baby and her husband's 70 but she dares to almost believe. But now it's been 11 years since he told her. So she goes to Abram. She says, Abram, I know you're believing God and everything, but it's been 11 years since God told you that. Let's do something. You know, God helps those who help themselves, right? That's not in the Bible. <laughs> But amen anyway, you gotta do you gotta do your part. I'll agree with that. But not like they did. <laughs> she comes up with this plan. She says, Well, obviously God's not gonna give me a child, but take my handmaiden, Hagar, as a wife, and go into her. And when she has a baby, we'll call it ours. 
Now let's talk about the men for a moment. <laughs> right there, Abram. You should have known that that wasn't right. You should have known that there was no way you're supposed to sleep with somebody who's not your wife. You ain't thinking right, Abram. <laughs> but you know what Abram does? He does it. It's no different than what happened in the garden, right? Adam's in the garden and this snake's coming in talking to his wife. He just lets it go on. In fact, he goes along with the, the sin that Eve introduced in the garden. He's not protecting his garden. Men, we're supposed to be protectors of our wives. We're not supposed to let the serpent speak to our wife. If our wife gets confused, we're supposed to say no. But being a man, you know, Hagar is pretty good looking, I guess. I don't know, but... <laughs> what? Come on, man. Good dads love and protect their wives. We're going to talk a little bit about being a good dad throughout the sermon today. In fact, one of the most important things you can do as a man, if you want to raise good children, is to show them how to love their mother. How to do it right. How to lead the family spiritually and cut off. Get the serpent out of your house. Don't let him in your garden. Good dads love and protect their wives. The missing ingredient to a lot of people's faith is this huge word in the Bible. I mean, it's this really long word. It's easy to say, but it's just so long. It's called Patience. And some of you are like, get away from me, Pastor. Last time you preached about patience, God made me wait a whole year for this or that. He's going to teach us patience. We don't want to hear about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like that sometimes. I don't really want to preach on patience, God, because you'll teach me how to have some. But it's just part of Walking by faith is to have some patience and wait on God. God's timing is perfect. And part of Him helping you to see that you can trust Him is just take your watch off. Say, God, I'm believing you if it don't look like it. I'm believing you when it don't feel like it. When it's been 11 years since you told me and I'm still holding on. Is there things that God told you a long time ago and, and you have forgotten about it now? You've... Chunk that out. You may have created a few Ishmaels along the way. But God hadn't forgot about those things. If God told you, you need to pick your faith back up and believe for those things again. Hebrews 6.11 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Diligence is almost like another word for patience in action, right? That you show diligence to the full assurance of hope till the end. To, to the full assurance that you're believing what you're hoping for all the way to the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience. Say faith and patience. It requires both sometimes. Faith and patience. Then you inherit the promises. Y'all don't like this patient stuff, do you? I, I can just see your face fill. I, 
We might talk about some other stuff you don't like today. Nobody said the faith road was easy. Living by faith is the hard way. It's the narrow way. But it's the only way to get to that extraordinary supernatural life that you're looking for, that your heart's longing for. Okay, so Abram agrees to, to sin, and they have a baby through the union. And his, his name, they call him Ishmael. God foretells about the life of Ishmael in Genesis 16, 12. If you want to go ahead and turn to Genesis, we'll, you know, like Kirsty said, that's where these stories are. Genesis 14 through 18, somewhere in there. Genesis 16, 12. God says of Ishmael, this son of yours will be a wild man. An untamed wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. You know anybody like that? Thanks for that, Abram. Thanks for bringing that into the world. You know, Ishmael is considered the patriarch of the religion of Islam. Now you kind of get an understanding why they're such a wild donkey of a people sometimes with their thinking and how they're always against even their own relatives. And they want to raise their fist against everybody. No, you're saying, well, Pastor, how do you how are you saying that they're the he's the patriarch of Islam? I didn't say it. You know where I got it? Their false prophet Muhammad said it. That he's their patriarch. Tells you a little something, doesn't it? Islam teaches you that you got to work your way to God's favor. You got to be good enough. You got to. But that's the way of Cain. That's bringing an unacceptable offering to God. Allah, let me tell you, is not the same God that we serve. They claim He is, but He is nothing like our God. Our God sent His Son to die for us, and, and Allah wants us to go blow up other people's sons for Him. That's a big difference. He is not the same God. Don't let anybody fool you that Allah is the same God. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the Bible. Allah is no God at all. He is a snake in the garden trying to make us believe that we need more than God's grace. But no, we live by faith. By the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus. And that's a big difference. So Abraham asked God if Ishmael could be part of God's covenant plan. God, Abram's talking to God, and so he throws out he loves his son Ishmael. And I'm not saying that God doesn't love Ishmael. God loves his children. And his children can't help how they were conceived. He loves them. But Abram asked if God, God, if Ishmael could be part of God's covenant plan. In Genesis 17, 19, God replied, No. No, it's not going to be part of my covenant, Sarah. Your wife will give birth to a son for you, and you will name him Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. You see, doubt and unbelief, which produced Ishmael, human pride and effort, which produced Ishmael, not the promise of God, not by faith, but by human pride and effort, 
These things will never bring about the promises of God. Some of you are saying, well, I was told all my life I'm supposed to buck it up and work hard and make things happen. You are supposed to work hard. You are supposed to try to be the best at what you do. and There's nothing wrong with that. But is that where your faith lies? See, we're talking about what we believe, and that's what God is concerned about. Do you believe that what you have in your bank account now is of your own effort? Or do you give God the glory for giving you the breath and the strength each day to get up and go to work? Yeah, God loves Ishmael. He took care of him. He made him a, a father of many nations, so to speak, the Arab nations and so forth. But as far as being an example that God wanted to use about how to be right with God, he's not it. God said, I will make my covenant with Isaac. And Isaac was the child of promise. Isaac was the child that God was trying to get Sarai to believe for. To be patient and wait until God brought him into their lives. And finally, we get to a place, you know, I'm doing some expository teaching. That's a big word for me. I hadn't looked that up, but I think that's what it means. It's where we go to the Bible and we just read chapter line by line, chapter by chapter, you know, and you go through it. This is kind of, I've been doing that on Wednesdays and, and it's not normal for me. I usually just, God gives me a, a message and I'll go with it. And I've liked it because it gives me stuff to go by and, I, and I'm good with that. But sometimes you, uh, it's a little difficult because you don't, it feels like you don't have the, the oomph that you want to have because you're just going by what it says. But the next thing it says is God finally changed Abram's name to Abraham. And I was so happy about that because you've probably already noticed two or three times in the message so far I've got him confused. I've called him Abram when I was supposed to call him Abraham because at different time in the story, he's a, he's, his name has been changed. But Abra, Abraham means the father of a great nation. It means the father of a great multitude. So God changed Abram to Abraham so that he could begin to see it. And we talked about that last week. Remember, if you can see it, you can be it. Principle, God, he's trying to... Abraham, I want you to see it. You, even your name means that you're going to be a... You're going to father a child. And not only one child, but a father of a great multitude. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can view it, you can do it. You know, we talked about that last week. If you can grasp it, you can clasp it. If you can get the vision, you can fetch the provision. Y'all remember those things, right? It's about getting it on the inside so that you have substance and some, a, a place to launch your faith. It's grasping what God says and really getting it planted firmly and changing the essence of who you are because that's what God does. He changes us on the inside. And if we can see it, we can be it. And he changes Sarai's name to Sarah. And you're not going to believe this. Sarah means the princess of a multitude. They were so close and didn't know it. Abram and Sarai, and all it just took us a few letters 
to change them to a father of a multitude and a princess of a multitude. God had, you know, before they were born, put it in their mother and father's heart to name them. God knows what he's doing, believe me. See, God will begin to call you what he has made you. One of my spiritual fathers is sitting in the back right there, Mr. Tom Gullett. Years before I became pastor, he was calling me Pastor Guy. He saw something in me. He recognized a gift, and he started calling me that. I didn't have no idea I was ever going to be a pastor. But he began to help me see that in myself. Some of you, people are, are saying things into your life, positive things. People of God are saying things into your life. And you're, you're kind of brushing it off. No, no. But you need to pray about that. God wants you to see it so that you can be it. And you know what a good dad will do? He'll speak good things over his children. What are you saying to your children? Because I can guarantee you this one thing. They're listening. They are listening. When their dad says something into their lives, whether it's good or bad, they're listening. I talk to grown men. And... and They'll be thinking, I'll, they'll have something negative to say about themselves. And they'll oh, I can't do that. I've never been good at this. I, you know, I, I would like to get a better job at this, this, or that. And I'm thinking, where did you get this doubt and unbelief about yourself? Oh, my dad told me, you know, this. Forty years ago, he told him this. And they're still living by that principle. And I guarantee you. Every one of you in here are thinking something negative about yourself right now that maybe your dad or your mom or somebody of influence in your life spoke. And they may not even have meant it. They just may have been in the heat of battle, but you believed it because children are listening. If you have spoken things over your children that you ought not, Go back and apologize and say, I was wrong. I don't really see that in you. Let's talk about what God sees in you. Change that. Don't let those, you can't bring the words back, but you can certainly apologize for them and try to turn them around. Be careful about what you say over your children. Some of my biggest failing, this breaks my heart. Some of the things I've said to my children over the years, and I see them, Believing that about themselves. And I'm like, why did I ever tell them that? Why did I tell them that they couldn't do this or they're not good at this or whatever? Be a good dad and say good things. So Abraham and Sarai and all their uh, servants and cattle and sheep and all that are camped by the oaks at Mamre. And they're out on the plain not far from where their nephew Lot's living in the town of Sodom. And, and three men come walking by. And Abraham recognizes that these are not ordinary men. These are angels. You know, the Bible says this. Sometimes you may see angels unaware. Sometimes men, angels take the form of men. Or women, maybe. And so he recognizes. And one of these angels, it says, is the angel of the Lord. Now, I believe... Now, this is just me and a few other scholars, 
But I believe when it says the angel of the Lord, it, it's typically meaning a pre-incarnate Jesus. I believe Jesus visited the earth in the Old Testament. They say the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. They didn't call him Jesus. They called him the angel of the Lord. But I believe Jesus visited the earth before he was ever born in that manger. And so, because it calls him Lord here in, during this story. But he comes and, and Abram, Abraham, he, he recognizes that these are angels and he recognizes that the one in the middle is God. And he begs him, don't go past me. Stay here. Let me fix you something to eat. And he, he whips up a meal and gets Sarah, Sarah cooking a meal. <laughs> and so... He's sitting down and they're eating a meal. And then the angel of the Lord looks at Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to come back this way next year about this same time. And Sarah will have a child. <laughs> well, Sarah's it, you know, she's in the tent. And she's listening, wanting to hear what these angels are saying to her husband. And she hears that and she goes, <laughs> she giggles. Where, where am I at? Sarah laughs, and in Genesis 18, 13, the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Well, those are natural things to say. I'm 70-something years old. How am I going to have a baby? No, she's, no, she's 80-something. She's 90. She's close to 90 now. That would be natural to say. But see, God doesn't appreciate natural things. He, he appreciates things by faith. He says, can an old, why does she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Can you think of anything? Can you think of anything that could be too hard for the Lord who flung the stars into existence? He says, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid. So she denied it saying, I didn't laugh. I can hear her in the tent. I didn't laugh. <laughs> but the Lord said, no, you did laugh. You know what? Doubt laughs at God. But faith laughs with God. Faith laughs with God all the way to the victory. God didn't get too, too upset about her laughing because God is a friend of Abraham and Sarah's. They have become friends because you know why? They're on a journey with Him. And they're walking together. And if you're walking with God and you make a few mistakes and you're not super faith dead like them guys, you, you don't have your armor on all the time, God understands but he's working with it. But he is a friend of God. Do you believe that we could be a friend of God? Why would God want us as friends? Like Kaylee was saying this morning. Like Kirsty said, Abraham was called a friend of God. And in Genesis, no, in James 2, 23, it says he was even called a friend of God, talking about Abraham. But people can be a friend of God. Jesus said to his disciples in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. See, friends talk. 
Friends divulge their plans. They talk things over. They trust one another with information. And so in Genesis 18, 17, the angel of the Lord says, should I hide my plans from Abraham? See, the three angels got up to go, and they were about to walk off. And the one in the middle says, should I hide these plans from Abraham? And he begins to tell Abraham, Abraham, the reason why we're coming through here is because I've heard there's great wickedness in Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding city. This great wickedness. And we've come to check it out, and we're hoping that it's not so. But if it is, we're going to rain down brimstone and fire from heaven and destroy that wickedness. And immediately, Abraham says, he thinks of, I imagine he thinks of his nephew Lot being in Sodom and his family. And maybe he has some compassion on the other people there. And he says, but Lord, suppose there's 50 righteous people in Sodom. I mean, if there's 50 righteous, you wouldn't kill the righteous with the unrighteous. You're a good God. You wouldn't do that. So what if there's 50 righteous? And the angel of the Lord says, well, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy the place. He said, well, okay, let's just suppose there's only 45. For the lack of five, would you kill righteous people with unrighteous? No. There's 45, if I find 45, I won't destroy the place. Well, this goes on until he gets all the way down to 10. And Abraham thinks, well, I got him down to 10. Surely there's 10 righteous people in this town. He, he should have went further. But why did... I believe the angel of the Lord told his plans to Abraham because he knew that Abraham would plead and intercede on behalf of these people. I believe God is always... He didn't want to find wickedness there. He says, we're going to see if it's true. He didn't want to find wickedness. He don't want to look down in Memphis, Tennessee, or Horn Lake, Mississippi, and find wickedness. And he certainly wants somebody pleading and interceding on their behalf. And because Abraham pleaded and interceded, they walked into Sodom, they discovered that it was more wicked than had been announced. And they grabbed Sodom, uh, Lot. Lot was um, Abraham's nephew. And they grabbed him and his family and says, we're out of here. we got to go. This place is fixing to be torched. You got any family members? Any friends that you can... Convinced to go along? Let's go. Well, Lot, he went to his daughter's boyfriends and he told them, God's fixing to burn this whole place up. Come on, y'all, let's go. And guess what happened? They laughed at him. They said, Lot, man, you're crazy. They thought he was just joking. Compromise will cost you credibility. See, Lot's living there among them. He's doing, well, he might not be doing everything he's doing. They're doing. Because it does say he was a righteous man. His soul was vexed by their doings. But he was there among them. He was watching it. He was allowing it to go on without saying anything about it. And compromise will cost you credibility. 
He said to these boys, come on, let's go. God's fixing to get serious about this place, and they wouldn't believe him. If you're compromising, you're not only losing your credibility, you're losing your witness and your ability to help save anybody. Your ability to carry out the Great Commission. It's important that we don't compromise, especially with our children. Watching. Because they're like little hypocrisy meters. They see everything that you're doing. Oh, Daddy, you're telling us to do this, but you're doing it. And we say, well, just do as I say and don't do as I do. Well, that's creating rebellion in your children. Don't compromise. It'll cost you your credibility. It'll cost you your witness. Good dads protect their children from wickedness. They don't practice it. Well, I don't let them see what I'm doing. It's just on my computer. I mean, when I drink, I'm, I don't come home. Or I, I, put, I eat some mints before I come home. Or they don't see me doing this or that. You understand there's a spiritual battle going on. It's not just what you see in the natural. You know, you're opening the, the door of your house to the devil with many of the things that we do. And our children have to live in that house. And we think it's okay because they don't physically see us do it. We need to rethink that. That's why... Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't want that stuff coming through our TV. We don't want that stuff on our computers. We don't, why do you think they call strong drink wine and spirits? Because you're going to get a heap and helping of some spirits with that when you're drinking it. And it ain't the spirit of God, I can tell you. It's the spirit of death. Because you know alcohol is fermented by dying. You're drinking death. I'm on somebody I don't know why. I'm sorry. But we should be more like Abraham. We shouldn't be compromised like his nephew Lot. We should be the ones pleading and interceding for those who are struggling. We've got to come out from among them. Before it's too late. Don't look back like Lot's wife. Some of you have come out, but you're starting to look good. You know, I don't know what to do on Friday and Saturday nights anymore. Well, we went to the racetrack last night had a good time, didn't we, Joshua? Amen. We didn't have to drink. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah and that kind of lifestyle will always invite the judgment of God into your life. Judgment's coming. Be more like Abraham who's pleading for those. You know, in every church, in this church, right now, there are people living like Lot and there are people living like Abraham. On Tuesday nights, the people living like Abraham come and we pray for the ones that are living like Lot.
But we're inviting you to come be like Abraham today. Come out from among them. Judgment is coming on Sodom and Gomorrah. And judgment must first begin at the house of God. If you're trusting in the Lord, maybe you're saying, I'm struggling. I want to I do these things. I'm, I'm on the fence or whatever. Come off the fence. By faith today, make a decision. It's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. I'm cutting off the things that's not of God. I'm not just... Okay, I'm not doing anything, but I got things going on in my house that I'm not addressing. I'm allowing Sodom to live in my house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Got awful quiet in this full gospel church. 2 Peter 2.6 says, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. And he made it an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Look, let's stop. Let's stop right now. Bow your heads and let's intercede. I'm going to show you how to intercede. And I want you to intercede and plead with me. God, I just pray for anybody in here struggling today. Anybody who has an addiction, Lord, that song we sang, you will break every chain. You can lead us in paths of righteousness. We just need to be willing to be led, Lord. For all those struggling like Lot, their souls are vexed, Lord. They need to come out, Father. Teach them to find godly friends. Lead them in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Father, I just pray for every struggling person in this place. And our family members, Lord, I pray over our children, our, our teenagers, our youth, everybody who is struggling with addictions and sin and, and pornography, especially a plight on the American church today. I pray, Father, that you would release us and break every chain. Break every chain. I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. We declare that we are children of God. We are made in your image. We're not like the devil. Jesus came to set us free, and we are free indeed. We will stay in your word, Lord. Help us to have a hunger for, and thirst for righteousness again. And holiness, without which nobody will even see you, Lord. And we want to see you. We don't want to be stuck in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord. We want to be uh, by the plains and the oaks of memory. So you'll come visit us, Lord. And we'll hear about what you want to do in our lives. We plead, Father, that you would help us, Jesus. Help each one of us come out from the dark places in our lives. We all struggle in an area, Lord. But you are the light of the world, and whoever follows you will never have to walk in darkness. We come out from among them right now, Jesus. We plead with the blood of Jesus. The love of Jesus over every life that nobody would feel like they have to do this alone. That we're a warm, fun-loving family. We're here to help one another. There are people here pleading for you. You don't have to live in Sodom and Gomorrah anymore. The angel of the Lord is here today to grab you by the wrist and pull you out, but just don't look back. As he pulls you out today, don't look back. Keep moving forward in Christ. Lord, touch our hearts. 
Touch our minds. Deliver us. You are our deliverer, our redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The Lord God Almighty, the great I Am. You're the Prince of our peace. You are our King of kings and Lord of lords. You are beautiful in all your ways. We trust you. We give you our lives. We surrender afresh right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See, that's just pleading with God. That's what we, we all need to do it for one another. And do it for our own selves and our own lives. Don't be afraid to ask God for what you need. We get one life and let's do it right. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. But to be carnally minded is death. We need to come out of the darkness and be the light. What happens to those who live by faith? Well, they're the ones who experience that extraordinary supernatural life of bold, persistent, expectant, and vigilant faith. Come out so that you can go into the promised land and take it by faith. Destroy the works of the enemy like Jesus did. Win territory for the kingdom. Be more than an overcomer. Genesis 21, turn there. Let's see how this story ends. This is what God does for those who come out and step into His steps. Genesis 21, verse 1, The Lord kept His word and did for Sarah exactly what He promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son in her old age for Abraham. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Isaac means laughter. God, God always gets the last laugh, doesn't he? You laugh that I give you a son? Well, I'll give you a son and aim laughter. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. That's something to laugh about. <laughs> and Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. It's so much better to laugh with God than at God. When you're believing God, you can just go on and laugh because you got that bold, expectant, vigilant faith. You're, you're already receiving the end of your promise. You got that assurity. Your hope is firm. You know it's steadfast and something that is immovable. How does God turn our sorrow into laughter? How do we become mothers and fathers of the faith? Well, we got to have a little patience with our faith. I'm summing up now if you hadn't noticed. We wait on God. We stay near enough to God so that we can hear when He whispers who we are. God's telling you who you are. But if you don't cut that TV or that phone off for long enough to listen to God and get close and spend some time in worship and brush up against Him and let Him whisper sweet nothings into your ear. No, they're not sweet nothings. They're sweet somethings. He's trying to tell you who you are. But you've got to get close enough and you've got to believe it. And we've got to raise our children to get close enough to God so that they can hear His voice for themselves and believe it. 
We plead and we intercede for one another. We stay out of Sodom. We become a friend of God. Sounds like stuff they teach you in Sunday school. Don't it? Simple. It's simple. God didn't make it hard. We make it hard. We complicate it because we're trying to skirt around it. We're trying to look for loopholes. It's like nowadays a man and two men can't do a handshake and do a deal these days. They've got to have 18 lawyers. Four books of fine print. Everybody trying to outdo one another. Well, just, God ain't like that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be, get real with me for a moment. Let's do this thing. Become a friend of God so that you can make your way into the Heroes Hall of Fame. Heroes of the Faith Hall of Fame. Turn to Hebrews 11 and we'll close. Well, I'm preaching myself happy. Y'all don't look too happy. Maybe I stepped on some toes today. It wasn't me. I didn't mean to. Hebrews 11. I love y'all. You know that? You know, if I didn't love you, what I'd do, I'd sit up here and preach you some flowery messages that made me look good. That's what I'd do. That's exactly what I'd do. I'd never talk about sin. I'd never talk about getting your life right. I just tell you how wonderful you are and how you can believe God for a million dollars. Hebrews 11. <sighs> Hebrews 11, 8. You know, I love y'all so much that I think about how I preach. When I leave here, I, I'm not my hardest critic, you know. I want to say things that matter. I don't want my life and my preaching to be useless. I'm not here. I, my pastor Vickers, he told me, he said, not every service you're going to hit a home run. It's not going to be like everybody's going to be running and jumping and shouting, but you've got to preach with purpose. You've got to tell them what God needs them to hear. It's more important than you get what God needs you to hear than you get a chill bump. This is where we grow, right here in the trenches. Hebrews 11.8 says it was by faith. Say by faith. That's how it is. That Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. See, he's bringing you somewhere. And he went not knowing where he was going. He was walking by faith. Not only trusting that God knows the way, but that God is the way. And when he reached the land God promised, he lived there how? By faith. He got there by faith and he lives there by faith. He stays there by faith. For he was a foreigner living in tents. Why? Because he ain't setting roots down in this temporary earth. He's got his mind set on eternal things. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to bear a child. Though she was barren and was too old, <laughs> she believed that God would keep His promise. You see, if you look back at the story, she didn't believe all along that God would keep His promise. Abraham didn't either. They look all good in the Heroes of Faith Hall of Fame, don't they? 
But see, that's the way God sees you. He sees the end from the beginning. He's believing the best about you now, and he's going to write the best about you. So it don't matter if you've lived a life that's characterized by, I hadn't treated my children right, I hadn't done this right, I've, I've messed up everything. That's okay. Start your journey now. Abraham was 75 before he even started this journey of faith. It's never too late. And so the whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them all. You see, God watches over his word to perform it. It shall not return unto him void, but it shall accomplish what he sent it to do. He watches over his word to perform it. All we need to do is watch over his word to believe it. That's our part. We're not the achievers. We're the believers. So as a dad or a mom, maybe you have regrets. Maybe you don't have much say in your child's life anymore. Which one of us hadn't made big parental mistakes? Good night. But you can always say you're sorry. And if you can't even speak to them anymore, no matter what's happened, where they are, you can still plead to God for them. You can still intercede. Plead and intercede. Plead and intercede for your children. That's what they need anyway. More than anything else. It was never about you anyway. It was always about God. Put them in God's hands. Plead and intercede. That's the story of how Abraham became the father of many nations. The father of, of our faith. And it was by faith. That's how we live. The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk, but not by sight. But I, by every word that is written. That's how we live. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We're faith people. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We conquer by faith. We endure by faith. We have faith and patience. We're going to do this, y'all. I'm going to see each one of y'all in heaven one day. And we're going to talk about, man, you remember when it got hard down there? I remember those days that I wasn't walking with the Lord, but you pleaded on my behalf. I remember those days I was in Sodom and you came and you rescued me. We're going to rejoice together. And I remember when, how I went back to Sodom and I started rescuing others. We're all going to be in heaven one day. We're going to be talking about this day right now. I hope you're going to be in heaven. The only way you're going to be in heaven is by faith in Jesus. That's good. By faith. Now some of you might say, well, I don't know if I'm going to be in heaven. I can tell you, 1 John 5, 12 or 13 says that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. You can know. This is, we're not, this is not Islam where you're just hoping. We have a Savior that gives us eternal security. He says, I will hold you in my hand and nobody will snatch you out. I got you. You can know. If you don't know, then you need to know. You need to know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and nobody comes to Him but by the Father. Muhammad's dead. Buddha's dead. 
And even the ones that are alive are living a dead religion. But our Savior is risen. He is seated at the right hand of God. He has given us life and life more abundantly. And you need to reach out for it. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He died on the cross to take away the penalty that you deserved. To pay the price. So that you could be set free. So that you could have a fresh start. And guess what? Sorrow may come in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Isn't that what Brother Nicholas sent out? How many of y'all get his text every morning? If you don't get Brother Nicholas's text, go talk to him. He said joy comes in the morning. We get a fresh start every day. Man, all you got to do is walk in a st state of repentance with God. Just keep uh, asking for forgiveness and asking for His strength every day. And that joy will come and you, you'll, you'll get up in the morning with purpose. You won't have to say, somebody call me and wake me up. No. You'll be calling somebody else waking them up. Because the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Anybody in here? With every head up, every eye open, it would say, I need to be saved. I, I, I feel like I needed to be made right with God. I, I feel like the Holy Spirit's dealing my heart right now. I want to be right with God, and I don't feel like I'm right with God. Is anybody in here that would want to come up here and pray with me? I know it would take great boldness. But that's what faith does. I mean, if you can't walk up in front of a church, then you're probably not going to do anything out there. We need bold, by faith people in the kingdom who have counted the cost and ready to pay it. Ready to walk. Anybody? Are we all born again believers? Okay. If we're all born again believers, then let's fill up the rest of these purple chairs. And let's get some people in here to let's, let's not have another Sunday where somebody doesn't come up to the front. Let's, let's let this be a house of salvation. It's already a house of prayer. Let's make it a house of salvation where there's not a Sunday goes by that somebody doesn't give their heart to Jesus and start that extraordinary supernatural life of faith like my brother here did not too long ago. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.